The LA Clippers began life without Paul George on Thursday night against the Oklahoma City Thunder, the team they just lost to by a point on Tuesday night, and it was obviously overshadowed by PG, but who needed to respond? Obviously Kawhi Leonard, and he did. He was amazing, but there were two guys that turned the game. Going to be talking about Kawhi, those two guys, and the overall performance, and a little bit of Paul George. An update, I should say, on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Viziri, in my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And, of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper content. This episode of Locked On Clippers is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner for Locked On And you can find Locked On Clippers on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to comment. If you think that a certain Mr. Highland should be in the rotation with Paul George out, because he and a certain Terrence man absolutely changed the game. But before we talk about those two and give an update at the end about Paul George, some really good news, Clipper Nation, if you did not hear, I'll close with that. But to start, you got to start with the guy that it starts with. These next few weeks are going to be pivotal. This is obviously the home stretch of the season. The playoffs are coming up. And by the looks of things, we are going to be starting the playoffs without number 13, Paul George. So that means that Kawhi Leonard will be the only star on the team in the meantime. We have, in my opinion, still, despite the fact that I don't believe and many Clipper fans don't believe that the depth has been utilized properly this season, I still believe that we're the deepest team in the league. And I think that is what makes the possibility of the Clippers actually winning a first-round series possible, even without Paul George. I think it is possible, just given that, look at the records of these other teams in the West. Now, I know the records don't fully reflect how dangerous some of these teams are. For example, Kevin Durant being on the Suns. I mean, he's only played three games as a Sun. Obviously, Kyrie Irving and the Mavericks. Now, they haven't hit the ground running or hit it off since they got him, but that absolutely does give them a different threat in the postseason. It's just undeniable. And then you have a team like the Lakers who could sneak in there, and they're a totally different team than the one they were than before they got D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Vanderbilt. So... You can be, a, there's a little bit of concern, you know, that these teams are still dangerous, even though their records don't reflect it. And obviously, I didn't mention Golden State, who in the playoffs, I mean, it's very hard to bet against them. The last time they lost a Western Conference best of seven was against us, the Clippers, in 2014 during the Donald Sterling fiasco. So it's been that long since the fully healthy Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson have lost in the Western Conference. So the Clippers are going to have a first-round matchup that's going to be difficult no matter what. 
But these teams still have had their issues. I could go with each of those teams I named and talk about their individual problems. No team in the West is flawless. We don't have teams like the San Antonio Spurs right now or even the Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Oklahoma City Thunder that had years of continuity and two of the best players in the league or a team like the Kobe Gasol Lakers. You know, These teams had a level of continuity and as true superstar, you knew it was going to be there every single night. I think a lot of teams have that superstar, but it's that continuity and obviously the whole injury thing around the NBA that has been hard to – it's been very hard to get great regular seasons for a lot of teams. I think we're going to start seeing less 60-win seasons. But the moral of the story is the Clippers can still win a first-round series, in my opinion, without Paul George because the West – Teams aren't, not all of them are that great as a team. But Kawhi Leonard, and I should say Kawhi Leonard, is that great. And in this game, I had a confident feeling the Clippers are going to win because superstar players, one of my definitions of a superstar is that they don't have two bad games in a row. And for Kawhi Leonard's standards, that last game was not good at all. He came out in this game and set the tone from the jump. Sometimes it takes Kawhi a little bit to get going, but he started the game with five mid-range jumpers from either elbow. Whether it was walking into them when the defense was in drop coverage or he was one-on-one, he was catching the ball 18 feet away and closer, getting to his spot, and knocking down shots. And those shots were barely even hitting the net in this game, just going straight in that line drive and... His three ball, you know, throughout the game. All his shots were either nothing but net or just felt like they weren't even touching the net. Barely any rim for Kawhi Leonard. And it was mostly jump shots. Some open, but a lot of contested. His degree of difficulty on the shots were just unbelievable. But for him, a lot of them are easy shots. Because the mid-range is a layup for guys that make it a science like that and Kawhi Leonard he was in speaking of science he was in full-on robotics mode and the sliders were turned up big time the settings were on a trillion with that guy's jump shot I mean he was impeccable this was the highest field goal percentage that he had in any game this season 13 for 15 from the field and three for four from three I mean this guy was unreal and obviously he's been amazing of late But it was really, you know, I was not happy with the way the last game ended and just his performance overall in that game. Look, you're going to have bad games, but to see him not get a shot off in 20 seconds and constantly want to screen and not go quick, there's a lot of problems I have with that possession. But the way he responded, that's a superstar. And there was no doubt. Obviously, I'm not doubting that Kawhi's a superstar. I also love, you know, he wasn't guarding the ball much tonight, guarding like on-ball defense. But any time the ball was thrown in his vicinity when he was off the ball, it seemed like he was coming up with it. He had four steals in this game. And, you know, Kawhi's hands are unbelievable. It seems like every single time there's a loose ball or a loose rebound, Kawhi's going to get his hand on it. I just feel so confident that when there's a scrum, there's a loose ball and there's multiple hands in in the scrum, it's going to be the claw that comes out with the ball. And... He set the tone in that first quarter, even though Marcus Morris, again, I mean, it is just, it's getting bad, Clipper Nation, and I'm really not trying to, you know, pile on the guy because we won the game and it's not his fault. But 3 for 10 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3, he was in quicksand 
on defense, it felt like. I mean, he could not really move. Even I was watching the game with my dad tonight. Even he said he's not even bending his knees. He just looks old. And the, the scary part is after the first quarter, I've said this multiple times this season, you know, I've said it, his legs get cooked after the first quarter. Like he is so short on his jumpers. He's airballing shots. Obviously confidence is a factor. But when you get two wide open threes from the same spot in the same possession, most NBA players, including Marcus Morris, including Marcus Morris throughout his Clipper tenure, when NBA players that are good shooters get the same shot from this, on the, I'm sorry, the same shot on the same possession and they miss the first one, they usually make the second one because whether they've missed it long or they've missed it short or left or right, you know what you did wrong. So now you get the exact same shot. You just shot it. It's a rhythm thing. You make it. Marcus Morris was well short on both. That tells me he has no legs. And I've been saying that after the first quarter, his legs go. But I will say this, that he had some decent moments defensively in the third quarter um, against Josh Giddy. And, and one thing Senior does well is he's a big body. So like when people actually try to bully him or try to go into his chest, for the most part, he can kind of hold his own in that respect. But he's too slow. And t- they were putting him in the action a, a good amount in this game. And... You know, SGA and Kawhi were battling in that first quarter in terms of just the scoring on either side. But the second quarter, Kawhi Leonard, it was a terrible quarter for the Clippers. The Clippers were up 36-29 to 29 after one. Obviously, Kawhi played the whole thing. Second quarter, 25-18, to 18, the Thunder outscored the Clippers. It was obviously the worst quarter the Clippers had in the game. And Kawhi came in at like the seven-minute mark, and he didn't shoot once. And I don't care they didn't have spacing. You're 7 for 7, dude. You are a mid-range sniper. You don't need that much space. You're one-on-one a lot, even if you're 18 feet away. I mean, come on. That's on the coaching staff. That's also on Russell Westbrook for being the point guard. But mainly on Kawhi Leonard. If you need space, you get the ball and tell everybody to get out of the way. You have a voice too, man. And he didn't shoot at all. So the Clippers went into the break, tied at 54. And, of course, you know, Marcus Morris Sr. wasn't playing well. And Terrence Mann came in and was fantastic. I mean, he had nine points in the first quarter straight off the bench. Getting to the basket and made his first three, got to the free throw line. But Marcus Morris, because, as I've talked about in several episodes past, he comes off, I'm sorry, he starts, so he gets two stints in each half more often than not, especially in the first half. Terrence Mann comes in for his five, six minutes, then he comes out. Then you put the starters back in because they just rested. So Senior, by starting, gets more minutes per half. And that's a problem when he's not doing enough. You know, he's clearly the worst player in the rotation. And that's not being mean. That's just the honest truth. If you're seeing something differently and you disagree, please comment why. But the Clippers undoubtedly played better when he was not on the court in this game. And it's funny because the Clippers won by 22 and Marcus Morris Sr. was a minus nine. But here's the thing. I'm not going to go with the plus minus for, I still think it's a somewhat flawed way of looking at things. Not somewhat, very flawed way of looking at things. Because like, for example, Ivica Zubac was a minus six, but he didn't play badly at all. He was just not very involved. Um, And that's because Kawhi Leonard, for whatever reason, he made some amazing passes. But I've noticed he doesn't hit the roller a lot, Kawhi. I think he's—I don't know if he's nervous about that pass. I'm happy, you know, he's not turning the ball over. If he does—if he thinks that it's going to get stolen, then okay, don't make the pass because he's still finding uh, shooters. But a lot of times they're not wide, wide open. The defender is still closing out well. But when you got guys like Terrence Mann, uh, guys like Bones Highland attacking closeouts, or Norman Powell, you know, that changes everything. Paul George, when he's playing, obviously that changes everything. 
But Kawhi responded in the third quarter, picked up where he left off in the first, and was just draining everything. Pull-up threes. It was getting laughable at one point. It was getting laughable the amount of shots he was hitting and how little rim was being touched on these shots. It was incredible. And Ty Lue actually took a risk. He started the fourth quarter with Kawhi after playing the entire third quarter because he knew SGA was going out. And he thought, look, if we maybe we're, we have momentum right now, Kawhi's hot. If we make a little push in these first four minutes, maybe Kawhi can rest and we just win the game and cruise. And that's exactly what happened. So I got to give Ty Lue a lot of credit for that. And speaking of Ty Lue, he didn't put Robert Covington in the rotation in this game, which we all thought he would. Instead, he went with Busy Bones Highland. And I'm going to be talking about the way he and Terrence Mann flipped the game on its head in the second half. But before I do that, I got to tell you about Nissan's most electric player of the week. And I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook this time. There's nobody on the Clipper roster that most resembles the 2023 Nissan Aria like Russ. When we talk about the electric factory, I think Russ has high, he, sh- he might as well have a high voltage sticker on him. And not only that, he played for the Thunder. So he was absolutely electric. And there's nobody more fierce than Russell Westbrook on the Clippers. And the thing about the Nissan Aria, it delivers on duality. It's a combination of fierceness and elegance and beautiful but strong, just like Mr. Goatbrook. It's the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right. You know, apologies if I look really tired. I'm looking at myself in this. I look so tired right now. It's pretty late. When I'm recording this, shout out to you on your Friday morning, whenever wherever you're listening, or Friday afternoon, or Friday night, or maybe even Saturday. But I appreciate the listen as always. I uh, try my best. You know, I was out watching um, some of my kids that I coached play in a big game, and so I watched the game late. And I always make sure I record the game so I can watch the whole thing, so I can give you guys the best analysis possible. And plus, for myself, I don't like starting games in the middle. Even if I'm not live, I'll throw my phone in my room and just go watch the game, you know, but without my phone to avoid the score, avoid anybody texting me or going on Twitter, because I, I think every basketball game has a story. That story starts in the beginning and I, you got to know everything about the story to make a full assessment the way I like to make an assessment. But speaking of this assessment, the game changed in the third quarter and obviously Kawhi Leonard was the catalyst, but when... Eric Gordon and Russell Westbrook came out of the game in that third. And I have to say, about Russell Westbrook, terrible first quarter. They were sagging off. He was missing shots, turning the ball over. Scored a lot in the second, but was still turning the ball over. Second half, amazing. Just very similar to what we saw in the last game. Got two and ones, beautiful and ones. The first one where he caught the ball, could have taken a wide open three, instead drove, attacked that space in front of him like I've been saying that he should do and not fall in love with that three. Although I'm okay, I've been saying I'm okay with the corner ones. He airballed the first one, but the second one he made. And I love that he attacked and won with the left hand. And then he got an and one where SGA kind of wrapped him up and he threw it off the glass for a beautiful finish. 
And Russ just, you know, he had that lob from Bones. He had a good half. And even though his defense was not as good as the last game, he still had moments where he was chasing SGA hard off those screens and trying to recover. And overall, he had a nice block as well. Overall, better defense than what we've seen for the majority of the games that he's been on the Clippers. If he can play with this kind of fight intensity on that end consistently, look, he's gonna, SGA is going to score. SGA is going to get around screens and keep Russ on his back and on his hip and, and get his buckets. He's averaging 31 points a game. He's doing it to everybody. The fact of the matter is you're asking Russell Westbrook at 33 years old to guard him for the most of the time whenever Terrence Mann's not in the game. And considering that Terrence Mann got 27 minutes, that mean you know that's a that's another 21 minutes where Russell Westbrook is guarding SGA basically. That's an that's an estimation, you know, as the primary defender. That's not ideal, but he's still trying his best. So I got to give it to him. And in the third quarter, he was doing his thing as well. But the guys that turned this whole game around when Russ and Eric Gordon came out, and I thought EJ wasn't great again. So I expect a big game from him coming up. But two right wing threes in the second quarter, got and got an and one as well in the third, but. Terrence Mann and Bones Highland, I mean, the main thing they did was they got two feet in the paint consistently when they were in the game. And that's the reason why we brought Russ. But the difference is with Russ is the defenders are already sagged off so much, they're expecting the drive. When teams are closing out when Terrence Mann catches the ball on the three-point line, he started to make the three ball to the point where you're going to close out, try to get a hand up. And he's one of the best on the team at attacking closeouts. And everybody knows that Bones Highland can shoot. So you're going to have to attack that. You're going to have to close out hard on him. And between Kawhi Leonard, Terrence Mann, Bones Highland, and Russell Westbrook, they were doing a great job of drawing two defenders and making great passes on the kickout. But the thing about Bones and Terrence was... They're young, and they play with pace. They instantly make the Clippers a more athletic team. They make the Clippers a faster team, and they make the Clippers a more energetic team. Bones Highland has energy for days, enthusiasm for days, and for all the criticism that I've given Ty Lue this season, I have to give him credit on this. Bones Highland was disappointed with the Denver Nuggets coaching staff. Clearly, everything soured. But when he came to the Clippers, he's been benched for a while now. And there was an article, I forget which beat writer report or wrote it, but they said that Ty Lue had honest conversations with Bones Highland and they, you know, had mutual agreements or had a mutual agreement. And Bones Highland was, was ready. He was patient. He tweeted after the game that he was patient. Patience is a virtue, something along those lines. And that shows that Ty Lue man management, Ty Lue's man management here was good. You know, he got him to stay patient, didn't complain. Now, do I think he's going to be a part of the rotation when everyone's healthy? Right now, everyone's not healthy. So at this point, we're just taking it on a game-to-game basis. And there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be playing that next game and should be. Because, I mean, obviously, I don't have to talk about his skill, his three-pointer, you know, his ability to finish. But what I loved was his aggression. He was trying to get to the basket. And Bones has shown underrated passing chops so far. You know, he had a nice left-handed pass. I know it was in garbage time to Rocco, but overall, great kickouts. And Terrence Mann, his base, his passes at the baseline when he's under the basket or in the air, you know, jump passing is not fundamental, and people discourage it because you can get caught in the air. But Terrence Mann, he makes some amazing jump passes and passes on the baseline. Just has a great knack. He also has that Euro step pass kickout he does. He just has a very high basketball IQ, and... 
You know, I forgot, you know, going back and was, I was watching some of his college highlights. He played for Leonard Hamilton at FSU for four years. You know, four-year college player. Obviously, his mom played, and she's a coach now. Like, he comes from a family, or, you know, he comes from a basketball background. He's been around people that really think the game. And he played college basketball for four years. You know, that's why he cuts. That's why he does all these little things. I mean, I mean, it's so obvious that Terrence Mann makes the Clippers better. I don't have to keep saying it. But when you put him and Bones Highland out there together and then Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, and Russ, you saw some pace. You saw athleticism. And one thing that was sticking out to me about Bones, his def- this was the best defensive game he's had as a Clipper. His arms are very long. His closeout effort was great. He had a really nice block in the second half in the right corner. And then he had a steal just sticking his long arms out. I mean, Bones Highland, that's not something we have with Reggie Jackson. So even though he's, I'm not going to say he's a good defender, but he's got length. And when he's trying hard, I mean, the great Willis Reed, rest in peace to the great Willis Reed. When I read his book, sucks that I'm saying that, rest in peace. But when I read his book, he had a quote somewhere around there that, you know, defense, a lot, you know, you can be taught to be playing better, to, to play better defense, but it's really if you want to play defense, it's all effort, 90%. And, you know, Bones Highland has length. He may not be the best laterally, but if he gets into it, you guard, you're going to play. It's that simple. So the better you get at defending, the more playing time you ensure yourself going forward in your career. And Bones Highland, though, overall was just amazing. Pump faking, pulling threes. He had four threes in the game. And listen to this stat line for him. 16 points, four rebounds, seven assists, one steal, one block, one turnover, on 6 for 13 from the field, 4 for 7 from 3 in 26 minutes of play, and he was a plus 32. Oh my goodness. He had a nice lob to Russ. It was kind of a low pass, but Russ did a great job improvising and finishing. Terrence Mann was incredible as well. Getting to the basket, making plays, attacking closeouts, drawing two defenders when he gets two feet in the paint. 14 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, only one turnover. And the Clippers had 10 turnovers in the first half. Only three in the second half. Terrence was four for 10, so he didn't shoot too well from the field. But he does all the little things. Comes up with loose balls. Defends better than other players on the team. Not saying he's locked down, but he defends better than others on the team. Contests shots. Does all the little things. And Nico Batum. We, I've been begging for a good Nico shooting game, and this was the one. He was the beneficiary of all the driving kicks from Bones Highland in the pick and roll, from Terrence Mann attacking closeouts, from Kawhi Leonard drawing two defenders coming off screens and just doing his thing. He was hitting. Four for six from three. Those were all the shots he took. 12 points, two rebounds, three assists, two steals in 19 minutes. Great game from Nico, one of his best in a while. And, the, and he was a plus 34, which is the highest of any player. It's one of the highest plus minuses I've heard of in a Clipper game in a long time. Clippers win it 127 to 105. They move on to 39 and 35 on the season, 20 and 17 at home. The Thunder are now under 500 again at 36 and 37. And coming up, going to talk about Mason Plumley, Ivica Zubats, how I thought they played. Didn't even read Kawhi's stat line yet. And an update on Paul George that can give you some hope. But before I do that, I got to talk to you about Ibotta. We're always throwing money at something. Kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on. 
It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you can get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. All right, so the Clippers went 127-105. to 105. It's been a while since we've gotten a blowout, huh? Kawhi Leonard, 32 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals. Pretty sure he had 30 points at the end of 3 quarters. 13 for 15 from the field, 3 for 4 from deep in 35 minutes. He was absolutely incredible. Russell Westbrook, 24 points and 7 assists. So he didn't have any turnovers in the second half, I don't believe. I know he had at least 3 in the first half. But four turnovers, which isn't great. But 24.7 assists and very efficient. Eight for 13 from the field, two for four from three. So you love to see that from Russ. Thought he was awesome in the second half. And the second half is where the Clippers took control by outscoring the Thunder 73 to 51. I mean, their offense just exploded and defensively started getting some stops. I mean, they're just, they're a better team. Shea Gilgis-Alexander still got his 30 on 66% shooting, by the way. 10 for 15 from the field. Unreal. And he's so good at getting to the line. But overall, the Clippers are just a better team. It's hard to beat a team two times in a row, especially on the road. The Thunder did win the season series against the Clippers three games to one. And that really makes me mad, obviously, because I'm still disappointed the Clippers didn't win at least one of those games in Oklahoma City early on in the season. It was just a lack of seriousness and urgency at that time. But the Clippers shot 56% in this game, 48.6% from three, 18 for 37. I mean, that's amazing. And the Clippers are due for a game like that. I mean, we've been one of the best three-point shooting teams for a while, but we haven't had as many of these games as we had even last season, second half of the season, and in 2021. But Thunder only shot 33% from three. And the Clippers... Overall, with a big win, 34 assists in the game to 24 for the Thunder. And needed the win very badly. But some good news, Paul George. So they came out with the news since I did the last episode that he's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks. Now, reevaluated doesn't mean he's going to come back in two to three weeks, but at least we're not hearing that it's, you know, extremely serious, like he's out for the season. But... It makes me nervous because Kawhi Leonard's injury two years ago was was listed as a knee sprain. And we didn't know that he was coming back. And then later we found out that it was an Achilles injury. So 
that and plus the Clippers, like in this Lawrence Frank era, they've kept everything incognito. So and they haven't necessarily been the most honest with fans. I mean, remember Kawhi had a setback early on in the season and they kept doing the whole day to day thing instead of saying, look, Kawhi's going to be out for two to three weeks. He had a setback. We would have not been as angry as fans because then you're like, I don't know, maybe it's to make them keep buying tickets. I don't know. But point is that Paul George, the news initially was good, but I don't necessarily trust the Clippers medical staff. However, more information was released that that there's no ligament damage and he probably won't have to get surgery. So that is an amazing sign that was reported today. Oh, I'm sorry, on Thursday. And it sounds like Paul George may return in the first or second round. It's going to be tough for him to return in the middle of the playoffs to try to get his rhythm back coming off an injury, that, especially one that looked that bad. But in his Clipper tenure, maybe not in the first year, but in 2021 and last year when he was out for 50 games, he came back, and this year as well, he came back like he hadn't missed a day. Came back like he hadn't missed a day. So that makes me a little more confident. But the point is, it's good news. It's not as bad as we thought. And, hey, man, the Clippers got to keep winning games, and then you never know. You just never know. Paul George comes back. We'll see. The Clippers win. That's the most important thing. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Let me know if you think Bones Highland should be in the rotation going forward. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.